Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, and welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to continue my conversation with Rudy Stinkowitz, and we're going to talk more about his book, How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae and Prevent It, or actually, How to Get Rid of and Prevent Swimming Pool Algae. And we're going to discuss yellow algae or mustard algae in some more detail in this particular podcast. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open 7 days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. So let's talk about mustard algae. Um, We call it yellow algae here in California. And it could be, in the book you mentioned this and you mentioned this in the first podcast, it could be anywhere from brushing it off like dust. Or you have to have a six six inch algae brush, seal stainless steel brush, and you're you're just becoming a, a workout trying to get that algae off the wall. And Man, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, you mentioned in the first podcast about what yellow algae is or mustard algae. We should say let's use that term. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that stuff? Well, again, uh, mustard algae, di- uh, or yellow algae, or even brown algae. Sometimes we call it all of that. It's diatoms that's the type of algae that that is and it's actually the same diatoms that you get in diatomaceous earth it's just algae that's uh the cell wall is actually made of silica silicate um and that's what has survived all of the years it's actually the cell wall which becomes the de which is why you should wear a mask when you handle it because if you inhale diatomaceous earth you know that can actually you know stay in your lungs the silicate you don't want that either uh, and there are there are different types. There's a lot of them. There's thousands of different types, actually. And one of the things, uh, and uh, you know, more along the lines of black algae, but you don't know what algae you have necessarily. As far when you have a mustard algae problem, you either have the type that dusts on the floor or adheres to the wall. But even in that, you could be talking about a thousand different genus, which makes how you tackle it each one a little bit differently. Yeah, and then, you know, some of the problems here in California is the high cyanuric acid. So the yellow algae tr- thrives even in pools that seem balanced, but they have they have high chlorine levels. And it can be difficult to even identify yellow algae or mustard algae. Um, you know, sometimes mustard pool- algae is one of the tougher ones to get rid of. It really is yeah. it's extremely chlorine resistant. It is. And we have a lot of pebble tech pools in California. Mm-hmm. And so they love pebble tech pools and getting inside the little cracks in there. And I think one of the problems I think to diagnose it is, is it a stain or is it, you know, like a metal stain could look like mustard algae in a lot of cases here on a white plaster pool. Um, But algae should brush off. That's kind of like the number one diagnosis of it. You know, I can tell you this. Some of those tenacious forms of mustard algae don't want to let go. It's, you're not going to brush it off completely. You might see that you can brush some off, but mm-hmm. there are some that adhere so well to the surface 
that you're not going to get it to brush off. And you're right, that is very challenging to determine whether or not it's a stain or if it's algae in those scenarios. One of the things you can do, if you can actually reach it, stains don't feel slimy. We know that. So if it's algae, it's going to have that slick, almost slime of a feel to it. A stain doesn't have that. A stain is just discoloration. It's going to feel like the pool, the rest of the yeah. pool. Algae is going to feel different if you can reach it. Now, if you can't, you can, I mean, you can try to uh, treat the stain easily. You know, with iron stains, one of the things we utilize is ascorbic acid. And we know that we have vitamin C tablets that we can use to treat that. It doesn't necessarily mean that ascorbic acid removes all stains, but you could take a chance on it. If you have a brown stain at the bottom of the pool, it could be iron. We can go with some vitamin C tablets. If the vitamin C tablets remove it, then it was an algae. I can tell you that yeah. for sure. <laughs> so, but you are correct. But usually for me, it was texture. Let's uh, talk about the debate between treating mustard algae with sodium bromide or a copper algicide or a mineral system of some type. Um, what would be the preferred method? I know my method of treating yellow algae, but if you're comparing those two methods together, you know, sodium bromide or copper algicide or just raising the chlorine level to a really high level, um, what, were, what are some of the things to look for if you're a pool pro using one of these algicides or type of algicides? Going with a significantly high chlorine level, it might not always work for mustard algae. I mean, it's an easy go-to. It's an easy first thing to try. But I also don't like to put homeowners through that either, where I try this and then I try that and I try the other thing. I'd rather rip off the Band-Aid and take care of it in one shot. So as far as... Uh, Sodium bromide or copper algicides go. It's, you know, that it's a lot of it's going to be preference. Also, some folks don't like to put metals in water, and I get it. I understand it. It increases the chances for staining. You're adding a metal to the water. It's going to stay there. Uh, there's a, you know, people say good and bad things about metals. The reality of it is, you know, copper, when you add any heavy metal to water, it causes lysis to occur, which means that it disrupts the cell membrane of the algae or bacteria and causes it to spill its guts. The problem is, is that we can't add a level high enough to kill most algae because what we're permitted is a one part per million maximum. And that's mostly because the EPA has a 1.3 part per million max for drinking water. So a lot of the things we do are based off of drinking water standards. So we got a maximum one part per million, but we know from research that's available from water treatment centers, because once, you know, that it takes five parts per million of copper to kill most things. So now what you have is less than a lethal dose that you're treating it with. It doesn't mean it's a bad way to go. Sodium bromide, on the other hand, what you're doing there in that reaction, you're causing, um, when chlorine and bromine are in the same body of water, what you get is a product that brominates, basically, when chlorine oxidizes the bromine. But what you're doing seriously, realistically, is you're converting that pool temporarily to a bromine pool. And when I say temporarily, it means it takes a while before you can actually gas off that bromine that was added to the water. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, the only downfall to that realistically would be in an outdoor pool would be from any UV effects of sunlight that could then react with the bromite or, and form 
or foam bromate actually is what we would form, which is a disinfection byproduct. It's a carcinogen um, that could make people ill. You'd have to drink the water, but that potential does exist. The same thing with ozone. In fact, ozone would be even worse. If you use sodium bromide in a pool that has ozone, then you run a risk of producing that bromate afterwards. If you add it to a pool that has a salt cell, when sodium bromide passes through an electrolysis, you could also end up with bromate. So these are things that we need to keep in mind as we use these chemicals. So there's places where we just shouldn't, mm -hmm. right? There's also, um, you know, I can't argue sodium bromide will probably help take out the mustard algae quicker, but copper algicides in the water will probably give you also not only the that it will take it out, it might be a little slower in taking it out, but then the after effect is that it remains in the water and then it continues to prevent it. Mm -hmm. Because not only do you get the lysis from the copper, one of the other things copper does, so you got to consider algae needs copper. Anything that performs photosynthesis needs copper to produce chloroform so that it can perform photosynthesis. So in doing that, in doing that, it will readily take in any copper that's in the water. And if it takes in too much copper, it almost like it goes into a food coma. You know, if you ate too much on Thanksgiving, you're there and you just can't take in anymore. So what happens is it actually inhibits photosynthesis and then it can't eat. So it starves to death. So what doesn't disrupt because we couldn't put in enough to kill it all will eventually starve to death. But that's how it prevents further algae problems as well, or excuse me, algae symptoms. But again, keep in mind, both of these are treating the symptom, not the reason why it's there in the first place. Yeah, and I think your book covers that. I think that's the key point we should we should let the listeners know is that your book talks a lot about preventing it because as a pool pro, spending, you know, just three or four pools with mustard algae, you're adding 30, 45 minutes to your day. And not oh, only yeah. that, you're exhausting yourself brushing and treating it. So I think if the if the listener gets your book, preventing the mustard algae in the first place is better than deciding to use sodium bromide or copper aldehyde, you won't have to worry about that because there's no algae in that. Well, pool. you have to make a decision on which pool pro you want to be. Do you want to be the pool pro whose customers never have an algae problem? Or do you want to be the pool pro that can solve an algae problem really quick when one of your existing customers does get an algae problem? You know, I always wanted to be, I wanted my customers to forget that algae problems exist. You know, I wanted them to be somewhere and a friend that didn't have me for service would mention, oh, my pool has algae and be like, oh, well, we've, you know, I forgot all about that because we have Rudy. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I, I, a lot of times I'll give the example with uh, in, in maintenance because a lot of folks, you know, take care of pools in maintenance. Would you rather be the maintenance person who fixes the trip hazard before somebody face plants or fixes it really quick after somebody hits the ground? You know, yeah. it's the same thing. Prevention, the best way to get rid of algae is to prevent it from happening in the first place. I think the easiest way to find the book for purchase is to go to Rudy's website, cpoclass.com. Again, that's cpoclass.com. And right from the homepage, you're going to see a little image of the book to the right. Click on that, and that'll take you to Amazon, and you can definitely purchase the book there. It's $29.99 currently at this recording, or $9.99 for the Kindle version. And I highly recommend the book. There's just so many great things in there that will help you with pools with algae. And we touched on a lot of this in these podcasts. But I think reading the book and having it as a reference, definitely going forward, is really a great way to become that expert on swimming pool algae. 
Also, on his homepage, you're going to see a link to his allergy prevention and eradication specialist certification course. Click on that also, and he's going to probably update it continuously on when the next online courses are. Um, but definitely, you want to check out the algae course that he offers along with the book. I think they're both really great resources for you there. And if you're interested in the other episodes in this series that I recorded with Rudy, you can see those in the description of this podcast. Or you go to my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, on the banner, click on the podcast show icon, and from there it'll take you to the hosting site, and you can scroll and click on whichever episode you want to listen to in this series on swimming pool algae. And if you're in the industry and you want to enhance your business, definitely consider my coaching program at poolguycoaching.com. A lot of great benefits for joining there, including a discount on your general liability insurance. And of course, if you're struggling with pools at algae, I can definitely help you with those. Again, you can learn more at PoolGuyCoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week. God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at GetSkimmer backslash PoolGuy. Again, that's get skimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.